depression. You see, the doctors, it only came because we had to the monsters, we let them move. But now, all we have to do is make a Sigma Kush Waffle. You hear that? That's the sound of the gauntlet slamming against the ground. We spake twice, twast. That's what my dad says. Well, you know my daddy. Uh, yeah, my dad. My dad says twiced and prejudiced. Prejudiced, I think, is more. One of many idiosyncrasies I love about that man. He also calls the Andy Griffith show the Andy Griffin show, and that is like his favorite show, or at least one of them. Bonanza, Gunsmoke, Andy Griffith. You know, he's a boomer dad. I used to do a good impression of my dad. Uh, If you hear me do a super thick southern accent sometime in an endearing, positive way, that's my dad. But if you hear a bit of a snarl in it, I'm approximating this one lady I used to know. My dad actually had surgery a couple days ago as I record this. Uh, I went and picked him up. We had us a good long chat on the, uh, the ride back. Talked about politics and listened to some Tom T. Hall. And I, I, I need a couple days to process, but we had, had some good, good chat. He's pretty conservative. He used to be kind of a Trump apologist. Uh, but now that the kind of mask off, you know, culty shit has gotten like impossible to ignore, he, I think, is uh, off that train. But he's a good guy. Always been a uh, good dad, funny guy. All my friends love him. And he's a Vietnam vet. Interesting life. I need to um, interview him before too long here. Get some uh, good recording of him telling some stories and maybe like kind of archive that stuff and use it in the podcast every now and again that would be cool i've always wanted to write a novel like fictionalized kind of thing based on his life because he just has had such a weird interesting life so all you sheet heads out there send positive vibes my dad's way because he is recovering from surgery some kind of uh something from a surgery he had had before wasn't super serious but you know he's uh 72 and so surgery's happening that's uh it can be can be risky He's also like a heavy smoker and has head cancer and a couple heart attacks. So, yeah, he's still hanging in there, though. Wow. Okay, this has to be some kind of record. Uh, Somebody out there listening in the infinite abyss, count how many words I got into this intro before I launched into this tangent about my dad. (laughs) Seriously, I hadn't said more than 20 words, I think, before I completely changed the subject. On this episode of Breadsheet. Hey! That's just giving you more airtime, Sigma Kush Waffle. That's at Sigma Kush Waffle, S-I-G-M-A-K-U-S-H-W-A-F-F-L-E. Calling your ass out at Sigma Kush Waffle on the Twitters. By the way, Sigma Kush Waffle is a fake name. And also, by the way, my fake name is Hoss Bossman, and this is Bridgesheet. At Sigma Kush Waffle and I have had two nice Zoom calls, and I still need to go in and mine those recordings. They were kind of all over the place, um, which was my fault because I didn't really have a plan going into them. But they were good podcast convos. I just haven't really had time to go back and listen to them. But I am going to get to those, Sigma Kush Waffle. But for now, I'm just giving you the old Bridgesheet call out. They might be just like sort of all over the place in a fun way, you know, the way a lot of podcast convos are. Might just mush them together if I find a common theme. Even though I'm completely broke and not really making any money right now, I am a busy little beaver hunter. 
got to get better at managing my time, but I am really having a blast making these podcasts and videos. Anyhow, Sigma Kush Waffle writes blogs and such, and based on the couple of interactions we've had, I'd probably take a bullet for him. Seems like a good bloke. And is a good writer. So check him out on Twitter at Sigma Kush Waffle. Uh, last chat we had was about prints and cuties. Maybe I'll just snip that part out because that part is relevant now and, you know, won't be soon. So maybe you should try to get that up in the next couple weeks as maybe a little bonus episode. Yeah, cuties. It's a complicated thing. I really don't want to see it, but I feel like I kind of need to, to be able to speak intelligently about it. But maybe the time where it's like necessary for me to do that has passed. Uh, still not sure where I stand on the cuties. Yeah, as a 32-year-old man, I think it's okay and probably well-advised for me to just sit this one out. So, I think there's a good chance of a civil war happening soon in the United States. That is not great. Uh, like I said, my dad used to be a Trump apologist, but he seems to have had the scales fall from his eyes recently, and he's still pretty concerned about the prospect. He still spends a lot of time in the right-wing propaganda sphere, the Fox News mainly. Uh, I saw a clip from some weirdo right-wing propagandist, something way further than Fox News, or at least way more blatant and mask off than Fox News, that maybe I'll just go ahead and play the audio from that right here. It really freaked me out and put me more into this uh, mindset of being concerned about, you know, civil war, which is kind of crazy. Did not think I would be concerned about that in my lifetime. We are in a war right now. We thought 2016 was bad. 2020 is the battle. 2020 is the battle for it all. 2020 is whether or not America lives or dies. Okay? Truly, that's what it is. It is Trump or death. I can't say it any clearer than that. I don't do it as a slogan. I don't do it as a hashtag. I don't do it as t-shirts and hats or anything like that. I do it from the heart. And I'm telling you folks that this is what this election is about. We are literally at war with millions of people in this country. And we better wake up and understand that these people are at war with us. They want to not just defeat us politically, they want to kill us, okay? Yeah, isn't that isn't that crazy? Something that's also kind of transparent and funny about this clip is that right when the dude says this isn't a hashtag for a hat or T-shirt or whatever he says there, a text ad pops up at the bottom of the screen advertising hashtag Trump or death hats and T-shirts he has for sale. Not kidding or exaggerating at all. That literally happens in that video. Um, I would tell you where to find it, but I don't want to give it any traffic. So just give it your earballs here. Not giving traffic to the website, whatever weirdo far-right reactionary website that comes from. And I, I chatted with someone on Twitter recently who had some unnerving information for me, albeit anecdotal. I'll do a dramatic reading of that right now, actually. So the guy's saying that leftists or liberals or whatever want to kill Trump supporters or they want them to die. But one of our main policy demands is universal health care, which means, you know, health care for everyone. But this guy responded to me when I, I tweeted out about that, like, how do people buy this? Like, does it make any sense? He said uh, his name is Doom Scroller for Life. That's Doom Scroller, all one word, numeral four, L-Y-F-E. But oh, his at address is at... I hate, but the hate is an eight. Jared Polis. 
I-H-8-J-A-R-E-D-P-O-L-I-S. He said, that's the really effed up thing. My in-laws are huge Trumpers, all the theories, etc. They'll die to take out AOC, etc. He might lose it soon, but he knows I'm a socialist and they not only tolerate me, they love me. I'm their favorite because I take care of them and they see how I treat others. They know I want the best for people. They don't want me dead, just other socialists. How do you reconcile that as a country? That's literally leading to civil war. Father-in-law was a huge part of the civil rights movement and did ride-alongs to prevent and document police brutality. This is the same person who is a huge Trump supporter now. He flipped during the Obama administration, which is weird. This is me talking now because my dad was an Obama supporter, basically. Like, he voted Republican his whole life. I think 2008 was the first time he ever voted for a non-Republican for president. Um, oh, so anyway, this uh, this guy on Twitter said, The libs effed up. Uh, they feel like your dad does. They love Bernie and would have voted for him. I don't know if my dad would have voted for Bernie, but, you know, he thinks Bernie seems like a good person. Um, I think I had said something like that to him. I don't know where that tweet is, but... Yeah, he always said, I think Bernie seems like a good man, but, you know, it's, I always thought the default position for, like, conservatives and capitalists and, you know, most, like, liberals, as in, you know, centrist Democrat types, is uh, that it's like, you know, capitalism is just the best mechanism we have for generating wealth and prosperity, which is propaganda and complete nonsense for all kinds of reasons that I'm going to start getting into right this second, but I always thought it was just, you know, socialists, I know they mean well. Communism, it looks good on paper, but it just doesn't work with human nature. That's like, that's basically the stuff my dad has always told me about, like, leftist ideas. And I think that's totally wrong, but I also think if that's what you believe, that's not like a nefarious belief to have. You just need to be shown the facts and understand that you're incorrect about that. But this whole weird paranoia thing that is like, especially with the election ramping up, saying like, the socialist left is in control of Joe Biden. That's like what the the far right is trying to sell right now, the Trump people, because I mean, that's pretty much all they've got because Joe Biden is just another corporate Democrat. He's not going to institute like stuff that's actually going to help working people in any like really meaningful way. As he said, things aren't going to fundamentally change for the 1%, um, something he literally said like within the last year. I just have this vision of like after the revolution, we get all the the billionaires in a room together and just like just level with them like guys. Okay, we don't want to chop your heads off. We don't want any violence. We don't want you guys to suffer even really. We just, you know, depending on what your definition of suffering is, like if you think having 11 houses instead of having 24 houses is suffering, then, well, yeah, I guess we do want you to suffer a little bit, depending on what the relative, you know, circumstances are. But anyway, I just want to, you know, I'm, I have this like image, very cartoonish, but just like sitting at a table, like a round table, all the billionaires sitting at this table. And it's like, guys, we don't want to take your shit. You guys can keep like a lot of the cool shit you have, but most of it. Guys, you have billions and billions of dollars, multiple yachts, multiple, like, multi-million dollar homes, and there are people, like, digging through the garbage for food right now. Like, a lot of people living in the streets, you know, freezing, people with no health care, people, like, really suffering within the lines of your country, and... That's just the way the system works. That's not a good enough excuse. We need to figure out another way of doing shit. I think I could, you know, 
I think I could level with the billionaires if I could get them all in a room together. Okay, guys, we don't want to take your shit. We do want to take some of your shit, but just the shit that we need to make sure people aren't starving to death. Anyway, this, uh, <laughs> so there was this tweet. The guy said, the libs messed up. They feel like your dad does. They love Bernie and would have voted for him. The corrupt, they want the corruption gone. They see Hillary as an extension of it, the corruption. They didn't want to vote for Trump and were ready to vote Bernie, but now they're voting Trump again. It's wild. Saw the same thing canvassing and phone banking. They don't want, quote-unquote, socialism. But once you explain the policy, they get it. Joe's backtracked on trade, etc. Those were his policies that got us here. I worked hard to flip voters, and once Bernie was out, they went right back to Trump. Nothing I can do now. And that seems pretty hopeless, but, you know, I then said, hope it's okay to read this thread on my podcast. He said, no, not at all. I'm in a non-account. I saw this happen many times. Libs screamed when Bernie went on Fox News, but every time he did, he flipped them. It worked. Which, you know, you could see it in the room there when he did that Fox News town hall. And that was very annoying. Bernie Sanders going on Fox News. It's like, yeah, Fox News platforming our ideas is a very good thing. Don't you want to convince people? Or do you just want to, like, posture and be the moral person with the better ideas? Or do you want to actually, like, try to get power and accomplish some things for working people and achieve a more equitable society? And this is true, what he says here. Sadly, Bernie was the compromise, not just for many leftists, but also for right-wing voters that wanted another option. I mean, if that's the type of compromise we can make, like, okay, not, we're not going to do a socialism, but we're also not going to do a fascism. Somehow meeting in the middle is democratic socialism <laughs> or social democracy, which I think is closer to what, you know, in the worldwide context, what Bernie advocates for. All right, so maybe I'll make some fun civil war music to come back to that topic later. In the meantime, there's a great semi-fictionalized narrative podcast called It Could Happen Here that addresses this topic in a very fun and chilling and interesting way. Now let's move on to something fun. Now, I have a very special treat for y'all sheetheads out there. Slowly but surely, the Haas Bossman YouTube channel is gaining steam. It is happening. As I record this, my latest video, which I'll talk a bit more about later, is at, I think, 179 views, which is pretty respectable for me. I mean, I'm still just getting going with the video essays. This is my only second one. I've got a lot of music on there, and the, those usually reach like two or 300 before they sort of peter out. But this has only been up for a few days uh, since uh, Sunday, so, and I'm recording this on Thursday. Uh, also, I'm just fighting the machine, raging against it, really, the raging against the algorithm. That's my new band. I've gone from 30-something subscribers a couple months ago to 78 now, I think, which is great. Please go subscribe to Haas Bossman to help out with that. I'm a pretty decent guy. I mean, what the hell did I ever do to you? For that same reason, also rate and view this podcast in whatever podcast app you're using. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Haas underscore Bossman. Support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Haas underscore Bossman. All right, got the early plug in there. Oh, and I recently launched a dedicated Breadsheet YouTube channel that I'm not really promoting, just quietly uploading episodes there every few days with some fun visual enhancements, sort of as an experiment to see how the long videos do on a newer channel, both of which are supposed to be good for the YouTube algorithm. But also, go subscribe to the Breadsheet Podcast channel on YouTube if you get a chance. More importantly, the Haas Bossman YouTube channel, but, you know, do both. Especially if you're one of those folks who mostly listens to podcasts on YouTube. I know a few of them. Uh, it's a few episodes behind where I'm at here in the main feed, but should be catching up in the coming weeks. Okay, anyway, Jesus, I'm really on one today, as the kids say. 
this was all a preamble to my newest segment, Wine Time 69, featuring my interview with Ash, yellow heart emoji. That's at Ash is Cat on Twitter and Instagram. Ash, who is a great artist. That is the 69th subscriber to the Haas Bossman YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, the, the 69th subscriber on my YouTube channel. We're doing a special little segment. This is going to be a brief segment. I actually recorded about an hour-long interview with Ash. I just wanted, I was planning on just doing a 10 or 20-minute thing just for this episode, but now I'm going to release the whole interview as a bonus episode. I'm just going to give you a little snippet right here for the mini-sode so we can keep it kind of mini. I'm including this little segment because that Ash's cat talks about something that Jordan Holmes also brought up in my chat with him, so this is a sort of spiritual glue, connective tissue, if you will, between the two parts of Jordan's interview. I hope you like this robot voice. I have a policy of not going back and re-recording anything once I've had my sacred studio time. I recorded this episode like a week and a half ago, so I'm just going to correct some date stuff here. I already released the first half of the interview with Jordan Holmes, and it was very well received. Thanks and welcome to the wonks and new subscribers who came over from there. Big news, I'm going to try and get on a regular weekly release schedule. This mini-zode is coming out late tonight, early tomorrow, Thursday night, Friday morning, October 8th, 9th, and the second half of Mr. Holmes's interview will come out precisely one week from that moment. I swear to God. Oh, and the full interview with A-S-H-I-S-C-A-T will be coming exclusively to the Haas Bossman YouTube channel in the coming weeks, along with the full videos of my interviews with Ben Burgess and Jordan Holmes, and my amazing tarot card reading with the great Rachel Worky Shank. Now, back to past Haas introducing future Haas to him, still another past Haas to me, the robot voice reading this thing Haas typed. So I tossed it on a Twitter that I'd make a special segment for my 69th YouTube subscriber. That's to the Haas Bossman YouTube channel. I don't know how to tell who the 69th subscriber on this was, but I think we've already passed that. At Ashes Cat, that's A-S-H-I-S-C-A-T, won the coveted prize on the Twitters. So get ready to get your dicks knocked into the dirt with our brand new segment, Wine Time 69. Are you more of a 69 head or a 420 freak? 69. 69's like, that's the OG meme number. Like, 420, I mean, it's kind of, 69's always been funnier. I think I think what happened is it kind of transcended because when you're young, like, 69's funny because it's like, aha, it's a sex number. Oh my God, it's a sex number. But then, like, as you get older, you make more jokes. Like, eventually, it kind of transcends, like, and it's just funny because it's a meme. So, do you have a favorite novel or group of favorite novels? Oh, gosh. Um, I think my favorite novel would definitely be 
the first Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Definitely worth reading all of them. I've got all of them in a big paperback collection, um, but definitely the first one. It's just such a such a goofy, goofy book, and the writing is just so clever, and there are just so many stupid jokes. Like, it's, it's a great movie, too, but there are just so many stupid jokes. Like, you can only fit so much in a movie, mm-hmm. and just some of the way he writes is just so sarcastic and dry. It's just, it's so funny. I, I've never read those books, but when you say it's a great movie, um, are you talking about the one with most definite, the new, or Martin Freeman, I think, like the newer one? Yeah, or? yeah. Um, oh, shoot. I, I don't know that I knew that there was one before that, but yeah, the be. one with the one with Martin Freeman, yeah. <laughs> I'm a huge Most Def fan, so like I was so excited when that came out. Like anytime Most Def is in a movie <laughs> role, I always like I'm always into that. And I remember people had told me about that book and like you know kind of told me lines from it, and I always thought like it oh, sounds kind of cheesy. But then like when you actually kind of see it and actually hearing the narration with the, and I'm sure it helps to read it with a British accent in your head because like <laughs> the humor and the wit kind of like it's just got that dry. Um, yeah. Britishness to it. Yeah, there were occasionally like jokes or things that they would make that I didn't quite get, but it's just because um, like they make a lot of jokes about like queuing, which you know just means like standing in line. You know, there's mm. some joke about like I'm British, I'm good at queuing. It's like, oh, <laughs> that, so there, that... there are a couple times where like there are things that I just had to I either had to read them a couple times and then oh that's what they're talking about, or like I had to straight up look it up. That's that probably has something to do with the whole British politeness thing. Like I'm good at like yeah. waiting in line. <laughs> yeah. Are you like a big fan of sat? Tire in general? Oh yeah, um, I, I've i been trying to work through uh, for a while. One of my friends uh, who knows I like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide and Douglas Adams recommended the Discworld series by Terry Pratchett. That's a lot of like satire, but it's it's in like kind of a D&D fantasy kind of setting. Hmm. So it's this, it's this like fantasy world, but written from a very like down to earth, normal person thrown into a wacky situation kind of way. Uh, the first book's called The color of magic but yeah it's really really funny weird it's it's fantasy but it doesn't take itself too seriously i've never really gotten into a fantasy book not that i've really tried that much you know but like i've always been a big sci-fi yeah. person so it's kind of a shame that i've never read uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i really should do that especially because i'm a fan of like all the genres that kind of converges with oh yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, that sounds like it would be kind of a fun place for me to start to try and get into some fantasy stuff. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely a good place. But I also get the the sci-fi kind of thing. I, um, I've actually got a couple books that I got because of podcasts I listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, like right under my copy of Color of Magic, I've got a copy of The Limetown novel, which is a, a fantastic podcast. Um, I think they turned it into like a TV show when Facebook tried to join the streaming game, but like, I, I don't think that went over super well. The podcast was phenomenal. Um, the book is amazing. Like I, I totally get the, the sci-fi kind of stuff. That's Limetown? Yeah, Limetown. It's a uh, amazing audio drama podcast really well written and the book kind of kind of goes more in depth i recently just re-listened to it with uh with my boyfriend because spotify now has this feature where you can kind of do a group session so you can you know invite multiple people into this room and you know play stuff uh over the air um so we've been we've been binging a lot of my favorite podcasts that way that's so awesome that's really nice that you get uh long distance relationships aren't uh, as bad as they used to be, I imagine, now that we have like this yeah. technology to do stuff together like that. And with, with quarantine, you know, keeping everybody in their houses, every relationship kind of became long distance for a while. So <laughs> we That's made true. like a lot of like leaps and bounds with 
what all was available. I've never really gotten into a narrative, like audio drama type podcast. So Limetown is one you would recommend. Are there any other ones that you listen to? Oh, definitely. Um, one, uh, there's another one that they just started season two. It's kind of an up and coming. It's called Old Gods of Appalachia. It's an amazing podcast. It's um, Limetown is kind of set like as an immersive audio drama. So, you know, there are multiple actors, multiple, you know, it feels like you're listening in on things as they're happening. But Old Gods is more of a, it's a story being told by a narrator, but it's still, it's still just as like interesting and so it's it's this whole universe of like this alternate reality um, Appalachia set in like the early 1900s, kind of like supernatural horror, not quite horror, but like verging, like kind of kind of on that boundary between like thriller and horror, where there's like some weird supernatural like creepy things, but like you know, no slasher, you know, murder spree or <laughs> any of that. That sounds really cool. I mean, I am uh, in Appalachia, or really, I'm like in the very southernmost tip, like in northeast Georgia of Appalachia. So oh, yeah. it'd be extra creepy to me. But yeah, that's like where all my family is from, like up in Kentucky. And there's a lot of, um, you know, there's some areas in the south here, like the old south, that just there's there's a creepy vibe to parts. Oh yeah, of it. like uh, visiting visiting my grandparents. Um, they live in Tennessee, and they live in kind of like a rural part of Tennessee. And there are all these mountains and hills and like to get anywhere you kind of have to drive a while but i could i could totally see where he got the inspiration for these stories because it's just these vast kind of rolling expanses with all these trees and all this kind of like feels feels kind of hidden away from the rest of the world and isolated but like in a very very close-knit you know if you if you've lived there you've lived there for forever kind of way <laughs> And uh, I, I'm pretty liberal. Uh, I, I'd consider myself pretty left, and both my parents are pretty conservative. But like, as I've gotten older, it's actually been it's it's so much easier to have an educational political discussion with them. Like, you know, my mom occasionally will come to me with an article that she found, and she's like, "Okay, political question," and then she'll read out the article and just ask for my opinion on it. And then we'll we'll have like a dialogue back and forth about like, "Okay, here's why I think this. Here's why it's." It, we're able to have a conversation and then that's something I think people need to be able to do more. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it kind of gets lost. <laughs> For sure. I mean, especially, you know, now there's things are, are very polarized and, and very tense at the moment, especially with like recent developments in the news. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that's having, you know, I'm, military family you know the conservative that's uh, conservatism is like pretty much the default for people in the military and yep. <laughs> you know that's like my dad is a very conservative guy um but he's also very thoughtful like he he this sounds like i'm like the dad from get out or something like i said he voted for barack obama in 2008 <laughs> and that was the first time in his entire life he ever voted for a uh, democrat so you know that i think that shows that he's pretty at least can be somewhat flexible and so yeah. you know I think growing up with him I've always been I think I'm just like temperamentally on the left 
And I have (laughs) always been that way. But like my dad, the fact that he's like willing to talk to me and entertain my ideas, even when I was like very young, I think has made me like much better equipped to like talking to people who disagree with me from a lot of other people. Ash, that is uh, Ash is Cat, all one word on Instagram. Is that like the main place you like to showcase your art? I yeah, I do Instagram and Twitter both. The only difference is you know Instagram's obviously uninterrupted. It's just my art, whereas Twitter sometimes I'll retweet stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, probably Twi- a lot of you know pictures of cats or memes or whatever. Twitter Twitter is a bit more messy, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, Instagram is a great forum for if you're like a visual artist, especially. Um, so Ash's cat on Instagram and Twitter, and then also Redbubble. Is that like Redbubble.com/slash Ash's cat or you know yep. search around there? Redbubble.com/slash Ash's cat. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, and congratulations again on being the 69th uh, subscriber to the Haas Boss Man YouTube channel. All right, later. <laughs> one time 69, one time 69, one time 69, one time 69. Thank you so very much to Ash Heart Emoji at Ash's Cat for taking the time to goof out with me like that. That was, uh, we had a good silly talk. I think we really did some good with that little, uh, what's a mini interview called? That, that mini view. I was planning on making this a little 20-minute thing, like I said, but Ash turned out to be really cool and a perfect fit for this show's chaotic energy. Also, as I record this, I haven't chosen what 10 to 20-minute clip I was going to use for her shorter segment, so I can't really comment on what you just heard. Um, I think I want to find the part where we talked about art and music, because that's something I like to talk to guests about anyway, so it'd be a nice little fit. Uh, but yeah, whatever it was I wound up choosing, wasn't it great? Uh, if you want to do a mini-interview with me, Haas Bossman, on this show, Bridgette, uh, support me on Patreon. Oh, and big, huge, ginormous thanks to the Mind Freaks over at the Surfs. That's the S-E-R-F-S, as in like serfdom, Uh, you know, like under a monarchy or whatever, on YouTube for featuring my 30-second breadsheet ad at the end of your Canadian Alex Jones video. Great video by the Surfs, by the way. A pretty perfect one to feature my ugly mug on. I'll post a slightly longer, about a minute long version of that ad or trailer or whatever you want to call it soon. But for now, I want to return the favor the Surfs did me by featuring my video and direct my small but powerful legion of listeners, all you sheet heads out there, to go check out that video and uh, see my breathless trailer. Literally, I don't take a breath for the whole thing. I cut them all out. That's Canadian Alex Jones from the Surfs. Also, the video itself and everything the surfs do is worth watching. They are awesome. Um, they're one of the main channels that kind of made me go, you know what? They're, they try to encourage people to start doing stuff. And, you know, I'd, a lot of creators do that. And, you know, I started watching them a little more recently and sort of got inspired. And there were a lot of things that led me to finally starting a podcast. I've been wanting to do it for like 10 years. So here we are. Hopefully... It was a good idea to wait 10 years. I think it is better than it would have been 10 years ago. But yeah, go support them with views and likes and subscribing, but only insofar as it doesn't interfere with your ability 
Do support breadsheet. Do support breadsheet. Do support bread. Do support. Do support breadsheet. 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 Breadsheet. Do support 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 breadsheet. Do well, I guess I have already failed at making this a more focused, shorter episode. We'll get to those in the future. Uh, let's get back on track and hop right into another exciting edition of... Alright, let's start with YouTube. Just what have I been indulging in lately? I guess this segment is really, more than anything, some insight into what the YouTube algorithm is putting on my recommended page this week. I mentioned in the last episode that leftist anthropologist and author David Graeber passed away recently, sadly, um, at the too young age, far too young age of 59. I had only relatively recently gotten into his work. He authored several books, the most recent and unfortunately last non-posthumous work being uh, Bullshit Jobs, which is a fantastic book about the absurd, pointless vocations capitalism seems to be generating en masse. Uh, it also looks like he had quite a few works that were somewhere along the way in the editorial slash publication process, which I'm guessing will be published posthumously. Uh, since Graeber's death, YouTube has been recommending a plethora of videos of him giving talks and doing interviews and such to me. I'm not sure why. Um, I think it's listening to me while I record this podcast, maybe. I mentioned in the last episode. I've been consuming quite a bit of that content, though. If you search his name, that's David, G-R-A-E-B-E-R, you will see that he has quite a few talks in which he's discussing the history and implications of debt. That's one of the big uh topics that he covers as in debt that's one of those topics that sounds really dry and boring at first but when you think about it for a second you realize that the concept of debt is really kind of weird and in the hands of a good writer and adept like big idea guy like graber there's probably a lot that our relationship with debt can tell us about the nature of settled human societies i thought it seemed boring at first then i watched it and kind of quickly realized like oh okay this is how he's addressing it this is really cool you know, even though he's quite a lib, the Malcolm Gladwell and people like him, some of the NPR types who can be very grating and annoying with the way they frame things sometimes. Um, this is like that sort of thing, taking something that seems dry and like looking at all the little nooks and crannies and what makes it really fascinating and and really telling about like human nature and whatnot. It's kind of like there's this like kind of a trilogy of films like loosely speaking there there are a trilogy of like documentaries there's Helvetica objectified and urbanized um and they're all like about seemingly really boring everyday things but the documentaries like Helvetica for instance highly recommend that one basically like uses the font Helvetica it's a whole documentary about a font and but it uses that as a way of like talking about 
aesthetics and design and how trends have changed throughout the 20th century. And it's just, it's a very cool documentary, like really make you appreciate everyday things. All three of those are great. That's Urbanized, uh, Helvetica, and Objectified. David Graeber published a book called Debt, The First 5,000 Years in 2011, and the clips of Graeber talking about the subject are fascinating. Graeber was an anarchist, which is the political philosophy or orientation I most closely subscribe to, and he has a few more overtly political books that I'm looking forward to reading. He has some, like, two-hour-long talks, four-minute videos from, like, fancy pants channels like The Guardian, TED, and Big Think formal stuff, informal stuff. One great short one is called David Graeber, Debt and What the Government Doesn't Want You to Know. Very interesting. Another one is about an hour long and it's called On Bullshit Jobs. That's from the Royal Society of Arts YouTube channel, just called RSA. Bullshit Jobs is the book of his that I've read. Like I said, it is just so fantastic. Really good. I mean, that's the only one I can really recommend, but it's it's a really good one for if you're like just kind of starting to get into like leftist thought and politics, I think, because it is it's very accessible and you don't have to be a leftist or really know anything about it to really understand that the argument that he's making. Um, you know, I think it would be a, a good one to give to your capitalist parents or whatever. But Graeber was such a fantastic idiosyncratic thinker. I'd suggest just searching his name and watching whichever videos seem interesting to you, and you are bound to find something you like and will learn something unexpected from. Uh, there's a lot more of these than I would have thought, and I'm grateful to at least have this stuff to dig through after his premature passing. Also on YouTube is my new video, Tenet is Sexist Trash. The title is almost pure clickbait. Uh, a friend of mine essentially rented a theater, and we did a socially distanced viewing of Christopher Nolan's new film, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it either. Um, the experience of finally going to a movie theater again for the first time since the pandemic started was fucking fantastic, but I didn't really vibe with the movie itself. Uh, my girlfriend had a good female perspective on the film, which I include in the video, so you get to hear her voice there. Uh, next video is going to be a critical thinking slash media literacy thing using a very problematic source as an example of pretty obvious propaganda. It's pretty over-the-plate stuff, but I think it's a pretty interesting, if no-brainer-ish, sort of way to start uh, podcast stuff. I'm going to have the great Rachel Quirky Shank on Breadsheet soon. Uh, she has two podcasts. Screen Snark and the Infinity Podcast, the latter of which she co-hosts with Patrick Willems, a big film YouTuber, and Scott Thomas, an actor with lots of fun, fiery takes. Um, she's also going to do a tarot reading for me sometime this weekend, and I'm going to ask her if we can record that and maybe tack it on. But she's just a lot of fun. She is a delight. Um, for now, I'll just recommend the Infinity Podcast. It was supposed to be about Marvel movies, but it became quickly just more like a pop culture sort of hang because... As you can probably imagine, that's just not really a great, super sustainable topic, but it's like the podcast just works really well with their chemistry. So I think it's like totally cool and fine for them to, you know, they'll, and they talk about comics and stuff. So it's like somewhat of a focus on nerd culture, but really they talk about a lot of like pop culture stuff that I'm unaware of. Like I don't really follow pop music very closely, so I'll get some info from them. And that's cool. So a few takes. Um, but she, Rachel Shank, seems to uh, really like bringing up politics, uh, so I want to bring her on the show, and she has agreed to come on, so that'll be happening soon. Anyway, that's not my main recommendation for this week. If you are into podcasts and you don't listen to Hardcore History, I mean, 
can you really say you're into podcasts if you don't listen to Hardcore History? It's one of the OGs, one of the best podcasts out there. The host, Dan Carlin, also has a political show called Common Sense. Shout out to my uh, Thomas Paine heads, my T-Pain freaks, if you will. Uh, Dan Carlin is not a leftist. He's not really an ideologue at all. Or, you know, that's kind of what he says. Everybody has an ideology to some degree, I believe. But unless you count being a constitutionalist as being an ideologue, he, he's he's a liberty guy, which sounds, I know, like leftists and even like a lot of liberals don't love the sound of that. But here, I'll tell you this. I've recommended common sense to my father, who is fairly conservative, like I said before, and he didn't like it because he thought it was too far left. Then I recommended it to my girlfriend's father, and he thought Carlin was too far right. Now, I think it's pretty dangerous to think that that contradiction somehow means he's correct about everything, or anything for that matter, but I'd say it at least makes for some very interesting takes, Um, and I mean, I think he's always speaking and thinking in good faith, uh, even if I don't always agree with him. Um, Now, if you're familiar with Carlin's release schedule on Hardcore History, you know it's sporadic to say the least. There's at least one podcast host with a worse release schedule than mine. Common Sense is even worse these days than Hardcore History. I seriously think he's released three episodes since the 2016 election, Um, but he just released a new one. And no matter where you are in the political spectrum, I think it is well worth a listen. One of the best episodes he's released of the three that he's released since 2016. He always has a sort of like third take on stuff, an alien perspective, as he sometimes calls it. And whether I agree with him or not, it's always thought provoking. He's very principled, but also flexible, truly like anti-racism and bigotry. A lot of the big social issues that leftists have, I think he would agree with us on most of those. Um, Seems to be a supporter of Black Lives Matter from what I've gathered. Um, but And I respect those qualities, just him being principled and whatnot, and just being an interesting thinker. I'm definitely going to be at least trying to get my Trump-supporting relatives and Facebook dinguses to listen to this latest episode, because he gives a very strong critique of Trump, as he's always done. But this one, I think, would be difficult for even the furthest right Trump weirdo to argue with. And I think that with him... I wonder if he would come on the show. He doesn't seem super busy. I mean, he's probably busy working on his podcast and stuff, but he probably has time to do interviews. I might try that. He's a big name, but that would be a big get. But hey, uh, don't harass Dan Carlin on Twitter. But if you, anybody out there, you know, has an in with him or someone who knows him or something, maybe just like recommend he come on Bridgesheet. Because I'd like to talk to him about that. I think the, like I mentioned on a previous episode, I think the biggest voting block in this country is like people who are like, now, you don't bother me, and I won't bother you, and we'll be good. Everybody can do whatever they want as long as they're not hurting anybody. I think that we on the left should frame more of our ideas in a like liberty-freedom sort of context because I think that a lot of our ideas, that is the ultimate goal, is to give people more personal freedom, relieve them of drudgery, create more equality so people have more time to pursue philosophy and art and carpentry and you know just whatever makes them happy spending time with their family uh doing nothing just reading learning stuff i've recommended knowledge fight before but i'm especially excited to strongly recommend it because jordan holmes like i said before one of the co-hosts has agreed to come be interviewed on breadsheet he recently self-published a novel and it's really great um and well i guess uh he's Uh, Jordan Holmes, he's coming on the show tomorrow, uh, or I'm going to interview him tomorrow and try to get that that interview out ASAP. 
Uh, I don't know how long we'll talk. I'm going to, you know, keep him for as long as he seems comfortable having a conversation. But I told him like 45 minutes to an hour. So it might just be one episode with him. Um, But anyway, this thing about him self-publishing a novel, this should be yet another category of recommendation. Okay, Jordan Holmes's book is called The Quiet Part Loud. And like I said, it's really great. It's sort of a near future edge of dystopian satire about a cult. Very compelling in many ways, and I definitely need to take some lessons from how he extrapolated that near future that he depicts in it. Um, I've been working on an album myself, actually, which draws upon my experience as a musician and falls into kind of a similar category. What was it I said? Near future, almost dystopian satire. Pretty different story, but I imagine a lot of people are kind of writing fiction like that right now. Just kind of seems appropriate for the weird times we're living through. Um... Anyway, Jordan is a delightful presence with a very good brain and fun energy. So look forward to that. Um, Hopefully, me bringing up here doesn't hex the possibility of him coming on, but we have set up a time and we are having a talk tomorrow. So I think, pretty sure that's that's happening. Uh, I was, and he seems like such a nice guy that even if he like can't make it, something comes up and he can't do it tomorrow, he'll, I think he'll like feel bad. So he'll, you know, reschedule with me and he'll, he'll do it. Um, so uh, be excited about that. It's going to be great. I was hoping to actually record the interview before I said anything, but I want to get this episode out and I wanted to tell you all about The Quiet Part Loud so that anybody who's interested could have a chance to read it before I release that interview. Hoping to do that very soon so I can release it as the next full episode of Britchie. You can acquire a PDF of The Quiet Part Loud for free. It is pay what you want slash can at uh, thequietpartloud.com, but I encourage you to pay some amount when you download it. I think it's worth 20 bucks, 30 bucks, but you know, if you can only afford a little bit, just, you know, give something, give a dollar if that's all you can afford. Um, And I also know from listening to 500 episodes or whatever of Knowledge Fight, I know Jordan Holmes' personality well enough to know that if, that he, if you can't afford to pay anything, he would much rather you not pay anything, but you know, he's also, you know, the Knowledge Fight podcast is fairly popular, but the podcasting game, it's, you know, people aren't really getting rich. Not many people are getting rich doing this. So I'm sure any little bit would be helpful for um, that novel. So please uh, go. Uh, yeah, that's my suggested amount. You should pay us 20 bucks. Go pay that or whatever you can afford at thequietpartloud.com. Uh, I'm also going to conduct the interview trying not to spoil the book's story, so you can also wait to hear what Jordan's all about before visiting thequietpartloud.com to download his book if you want. Uh, be on the lookout for that very special episode, and also listen to Knowledge Fight in the meantime. Become a policy wonk. Oh, and uh, Jordan actually was in a cult, I think, as a kid, like he was born into it, so I'm sure that greatly informed the Quiet Part Loud subject matter, and you can bet your sweet ass I'm going to be asking him about that in the interview. Uh, hopefully that's not like an off top, but you know, that's what the book is about and he's talked about it on the show, so I'm sure it's fine. Okay, we've been in the Haas Recommends Phantom Zone for way too long. So I'll do another short music recommendation like I did last week and just say, listen to Bad Religion. They are my favorite band, but I actually have a good reason to recommend them right now. Uh, something new coming from me and my best bud, Mr. Maxi, that you will learn about in the coming weeks, hopefully. Is that a good tease? 
Uh, just listen to Suffer. Uh, that's the one. I'll, it's not even my personal favorite Bad Religion album, but it's kind of like one of the quintessential punk albums. Uh, it released the year I was born in 1988. It's perfect and really like changed the game in a lot of ways. The whole game of reality. Now let's get out of here before it's gaping maw swallows us up forever. <laughs> Damn it. As soon as we left the Phantom Zone, I remembered. Uh, I had a tweet blow the frig up a couple days ago. Uh, Just like the first time I've ever had a tweet. Uh, I did have Tim Heidecker retweeted me once, and that kind of blew up. And that was awesome, because Tim Heidecker is like one of my probably top three comedy heroes of all time. Um, And uh, yeah, so but that was a while back. Anyway, uh, I just posted a screen grab of a real trailer... The trailer for the Comey rule, some of the libest lib shit I've ever seen. Go to my Twitter at Haas underscore Bossman to see that. If you go over to the media tab, it should be easy to find. Uh, the tweet's text is just, this is a real trailer. In any case, watch that trailer for the Comey rule if you want to be embarrassed to be a human being. And I think that's pretty much going to do it for today's episode of Breadsheet. So, uh, yeah, anyway, um, this is actually kind of a short-esque episode. Uh, so this is actually going to be kind of a short mini-sode. So I should stop talking now so I don't have so much to edit. But uh, I love you guys. Make sure that you are compassionate to people. And make sure you don't watch anything that makes you cringe so bad that it makes your skin evaporate off your body, journey to another dimension, rule over an ancient race of sentient lies for a thousand eons, and then return to drape itself over your skeletal frame and bring you back to this moment. Hey folks, Haas Patchen in here. Peace. There's more to do here, but I've got to save it. It's Thursday morning, I'm awake, and the people want to show. So I'm slapping this robot voice on the show's butt and sending her off. It sure was cute listening to past me talk about how excited he was to chat with Jordan Holmes. That's one of the obviously out-of-date things, but I think it adds a charm. What a time we had today. It's 5.55am and I've been up all night editing this, and now I'm trying to decide if I should clean up and play that recording of Bear Trap, one of our songs, because I got to the end of editing the recording and gosh darn it, I haven't had the chance to clean that up yet. Oh well, if I can get it sounding good, I'll just add it onto the end of the second half of Jordan's interview when I upload it precisely one week from this moment. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at us underscore bossman and support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash us underscore bossman. Also on YouTube as Haas Bossman. www.haas.fun. Thanks to everybody listening and being cheaty. I'm gonna upload this and go to bed, but what music will I end the show with? Oh, I have this. God bless all y'all's hearts.